Hello everyone, my name is David and I'll be leading our workshop tonight. This is called Voice Control, Developing Your Best Teacher Voice. Now let's get started. Our agenda today will do an introduction of vocal fatigue. What does that mean? Maybe your voice feels very tired. Nonverbal cues that can really help to lower the teacher output and increase student output. And also your tone of voice, right? Developing that good teacher voice for class. We'll also talk about appropriate language in terms of teacher and student output. We'll go over the ratios, modeling, how to do that correctly, as well as look at some case study examples with some videos. We'll end with a quick discussion on filler language, how to avoid that, and I'll put you into smaller breakout rooms, so really to discuss and share some ideas. At the very end, if there is something I did not get to, we will have time for Q&A. You can also remind me if there is a slide you want me to show again, just tell me the slide number. You can see that in the lower left corner of the PowerPoint. Now, teachers, let me know what are your goals for the workshop tonight? Hello, Alicia. Why are you here? Not get a scratchy throat, that's a big one, yeah. Especially if you drink a lot of coffee, that tends to happen. Your voice gets really scratchy, right? Same with me. So alternate coffee with a lot of water, also, honey helps. I do have a throat spray nearby just in case. That can also help my throat. So much coffee for sure. It's morning time for me, 7 a.m., so I have some coffee, right? Learn how to have an engaging voice. Yeah, learned how to stop voice dragging. Thank you, Alicia. Yeah, that's a big one, right? Something I try to notice myself and stop how to have an engaging voice. Excellent. Yeah, curious about what this workshop is about. Mm -hmm. You got it. So my goals for everyone here, I want to really give you a new perspective, right? How to shift perceptions with VIP Kid, how to save your voice, and whatever that you're saying in class is even more effective and more thoughtfully added to that lesson, right? not just noise. So let's do an introduction to vocal fatigue as well as shifting perceptions in the classroom. So teachers, can you let me know in the chat box, do you ever experience vocal fatigue? That means that your voice just feels tired after teaching all day. You can type out one, two, or three. I definitely get vo vocal fatigue if I'm talking all day, right? Yeah, dry, scratchy throat. See some twos, that's great. And please share your tips. If you ever have any tips on how to save your voice, please let us know in the chat box. So I want to start our workshop today with a vocal fatigue video. Amy Hume is a lecturer in theater. She's from Australia. She will go over some tips on how to protect your voice. Pay attention to the video and think about what is your number one takeaway. Let's watch. 
Lots of people are experiencing vocal fatigue at the moment due to life mostly happening online. If you've been using a platform like Zoom, you may have noticed that it's fairly counterintuitive to how we normally communicate. You can't make eye contact with someone, you can't rely on your peripheral vision, and the rhythm of conversation is thrown out by the lag time or people being on mute. All of that can lead to a tendency to overcompensate, to be louder or more animated than you normally would be, or even just talking more to fill every silence. And that's what causes vocal fatigue. Don't be tempted to try and reach people by being loud. Just speak to the people in front of you on your screen. If you're not sure you're loud enough, ask for feedback. Know that there's a difference between audibility and intelligibility. Sometimes when people say they can't hear you, it's because you're not speaking clearly enough, not because of volume. And trust your microphone. Most built-in microphones these days are pretty effective. You may choose to wear a headset. Some people like knowing that the mic is right in front of their mouth, plus you can hear others more clearly and you can go between sitting and standing easily. In front of the screen, it's easy to become a talking head and lock your upper body, but allow your body to be part of your communication. Use gesture the way you normally would and be mindful of your body language. And on that note, ideally your camera will be at eye level, so your head and neck are in alignment and you have access to the breath you need to support your voice well. Some tips for looking after your voice throughout the day. Check in with your breath. Notice if you're breathing shallowly, and if you are, lift and drop your shoulders a few times to release any tension in the upper body. Then place a hand on your belly around the level of your belly button and use this to help center the breath. Keeping hydrated is super important too. Drink lots of water and you can breathe in steam if you're feeling particularly dry or raspy. Some simple voice exercises would be lip trills, tongue trills, and gentle humming. And yawning is good for the voice too. If you smile widely when you yawn, you can direct the stretch into your soft palate to help open the throat. And on days that are extremely heavy on Zoom, build in periods of rest. This is important for your eyes, your mind, and your body, let alone how beneficial it is for your voice. With a bit of awareness of how communication changes online and these simple voice exercises, you should be able to prevent vocal fatigue. I actually messaged her on Facebook and she was so happy that this was being used for VIP Kit and online teaching. She's really nice. Okay, so here are some of her tips. What's your number one takeaway from the video? You can type out the number in the chat box or maybe your own takeaway. Right. Yeah, definitely don't overcompensate. Since we're living our lives so much on Zoom or teaching online, we tend to really speak loudly or really animated or very hyper. That's not sustainable, right? Using gestures. Yeah, check in with your breath. That was a big one. I like that too, Alicia. Trust your microphone. Mm-hmm. I think for me too, a big one that people tend to overlook is your webcam at eye level, number five. If your webcam's at eye level, it's not super high or super low, you can sit more naturally and then really help with your voice. Right? You're not sitting awkwardly or having to overcompensate. Vocal exercises. If I feel a little bit tired or my lips are tired, 
was that blowing a raspberry, right? That can really help. And build in periods of rest. Whenever I teach classes back to back for VIP Kid, I always use those couple minutes in between just to take a break, not say anything, and then get ready for my next class. That really helps. So thank you, Amy. So one of the things I want to go over is checking your mic. In the classroom, click on the settings icon right here. And look at the microphone settings. What is the percentage it's already set at? Jenna, that's great, a great tip. Feel free to sing if you'd like. 78, there you go. So the default is already at 78%. That's quite high already. I didn't realize that until I started checking this. The default for your computer and for VIPKit is already 78%. So that means that you don't have to talk as loudly in the microphone, it's already loud. If you naturally talk very loudly, that's fine. You can also put this lower, around 65% would be great. So it's not too loud for the students to hear. Now, one of the things you can practice if you ever feel that you're talking too loudly, if you wear a headset, take off one part of the headset, like I'm doing right now, you can practice if you would like. Once you take that off, you can hear yourself and you can also lower your volume. So for example, don't be tempted to try and reach people by being loud, right? So if I say that out loud with one part of my headset off, I can really hear my voice. I think that we tend to overcompensate or talk loudly because we can't hear ourselves completely. So if you take off one part of your headset, naturally it'll go down. Now what happens if you have a lot of background noise? So right now I have construction going on next door. Can you hear it? That's great. So something that I recommend is using an app called Crisp. Crisp is completely free. You can use it for 120 minutes per week. If you'd like to download it, you can find it on my resource list. But basically what this does, it uses your existing microphone. You just turn it on. It removes any background noise. So if you have babies crying in the back, cats meowing, construction going on next door, just turn on Crisp and it will only isolate your voice. So it really helps a lot. I would not recommend it if I did not use it myself. So it is wonderful. So you can check that out. It's completely free. Also, one good thing, for VIP Kid, you can't do this, but if you're on Zoom or talking with someone on Skype, you can also mute the background noise coming from the other person. So this has really helped a lot on Zoom. Whenever I have a Zoom call, let's say with my niece, and there's a lot of background noise, I can turn on the speaker for her as well. That will also isolate her voice for me to hear more clearly. If you have online meetings, this is a really good tool that you can use. You can't isolate the background noise for VIP Kid, the app, for the students, but you can do it on any other application. But at least for yourself, when you're teaching with VIP Kid, you can isolate and mute any background noise. I do have a cat. She's quiet now, so she may make an appearance. So let's talk about watching a recorded class. This is a great way to listen to yourself and see and hear how loud you are. Go to class, all classes, and find a class that is finished as scheduled. Click on feedback. That will open up this feedback page and click on class playback on the left. 
Once you click on that, you're able to watch your video in full. I recommend doing this every so often just to hear yourself, but also see how well you're doing with your teaching. This is also how I find all my workshop clips that I show you. Now let's look at case study number one, intonation in the classroom. This is a demo class example. Let's pay attention to how she's presenting the information. <gasps> hmm, Jackie, what do you see? What do you see? Oh, carrots. <laughs> carrots. Yeah, great job. Hmm. <gasps> carrots are <gasps> orange. <gasps> and what do you see here? Hmm. I see broccoli. <gasps> broccoli. Let's talk about it. I want to introduce you to the concept of voice dragging. Now look at this extreme roller coaster. Really exaggerated highs and lows. That can be quite overwhelming for a student. Voice dragging means that you're distorting syllables and vowel sounds. Hello, are you ready? So that's really exaggerated. You see how I'm dragging that out? What happens is students will begin to mimic your voice dragging. Now let's listen to this again. Write down the words in the chat box that she's voice dragging with. Hmm, Jackie, what do you see? What do you see? Oh, carrots. Carrots. Yeah, great job. Hmm, carrots are orange. And what do you see here? Hmm, I see broccoli. Broccoli. Okay, could you see or hear what she was doing here? Lots of voice dragging. This is one of the things where it's talking about shifting perceptions for VIP Kit because I've noticed this with myself. Even if you look at some of my old videos that are posted on VIP Kit in the teacher portal. I have some voice dragging, right? And I cringe. This is something I didn't even realize I was doing until I started watching myself. She was also doing a lot of gasping. <gasps> Students will also pick up on that too when they're talking. So just pay attention. Use your natural intonation. I'm not saying to sound like a robot with a monotone voice, but think about it more as a gentle up and down instead of that extreme roller coaster, right? Does everyone see that? And the best way to know if you're voice dragging is to start watching your videos and just listen to yourself and look at yourself. So take two. Everyone can take a deep sigh. <sighs> that automatically relaxes you. Now try this out loud on your own. Say these two sentences without voice dragging. So I'm imagining hearing you, no voice dragging, that's great, right? So carrots are orange, broccoli is green. You can still make this exciting and use some inflection, but you're not doing that voice dragging like we saw in that video. Right? 
Now let's look at tone of voice. Tone of voice is really important in the classroom because you're modeling what you want the student to also respond with. So here's an, a video from Edutopia. Let's watch. Where do I need to go to begin my project? Tara, what is your plan? Developing a calm, neutral, assertive voice is part of the teacher's own self-regulation, which allows them to help students be self-regulated and to be secure in the knowledge that the teacher will be receptive to them, but also in control. All right, everyone partner up. The tone of voice we try to use when we speak with our students is what we would call calm, neutral, and assertive. Show your partner any emotion, any emotion. We found it to be immensely important for helping kids to do the right thing and to guide them and to redirect them. Self-regulation is the way that we manage ourselves to behave in the ways we intend to behave rather than becoming overwhelmed with anger or fear or anxiety and acting out. I have a question. Are you starting a new structure or is it a new structure on the shelf? Yeah, I know it's not a new Because I know yesterday we are talking in a voice that is too aggressive. We might accidentally be using fear to manipulate children's behavior. Is the right side? Let's let him take off the screws first. Instead of helping them to gain that intrinsic motivation to do the right thing for the right reasons. And don't go to the. And sometimes it's not safe to go to the beach because because there are sharks. Yes, I heard. Be careful of the sharks. So the sweet spot is calm, neutral, assertive, and the teachers who get the best responses from kids are the ones that have mastered that the best. All right, we're gonna get ready now for close reading. Edutopia is a fantastic resource if you want to do some professional development. That was a great calming video, right? So how does that calm, neutral, assertive teacher voice help students? You can unmute or type a quick note. I like that. So that's an example of how to act and speak. Yeah, they don't feel threatened. And if I sound really overexcited and hyper, they will also mimic that, right? Because that's what they're learning from me. Or that voice dragging as well, or gasping, <sighs> like we saw. So let's go over tone of voice. Developing a calm, neutral, assertive teacher voice is a great way to protect your own voice, but also teach students the concept of self-regulation. Assertiveness is the quality of being self-assured and confident without being aggressive. Sometimes when we hear that someone is assertive, we see that as a negative. But for teaching, that can be quite a positive thing. Remember, respect the student so they respect you as well. If my student says, teacher, this story is boring, and I respond with, Bill, you should never say that. That's terrible to say. How dare you say that? That's not a good way to respond. So how can I respond with the calm, neutral, assertive teacher voice? Any ideas? And I do get students saying this, especially the older students, about some reading. So any ideas? How would you how would you respond? 
Thank you for sharing your opinion. You got it. That's great. Yeah, I'm sorry you feel that way, or that's an interesting opinion. Now, what would you do to make the story more interesting? Right. What would you do if you were the main character? Right. I'm not yelling or screaming. I'll turn it into an extension. That's a great technique. Right. Has this happened to anyone here, by the way? This is boring, or I hate this story. I do get that. I teach a lot of level seven and level eight, so they are not afraid to teach or say their mind, say their opinion. So one of the things really important is don't let negative emotions come through if you are frustrated or something does not go according to plan. Always stay calm. Take a proactive approach, especially if something doesn't go as planned. When I used to teach in brick and mortar, one of the things my mentor told me is don't let them see you sweat. So even if you're frustrated or they're yelling or screaming, just be calm. Because if you yell or scream, there you go. They already cracked you. Right? So you really just want to be cool. Keep it cool. Right? Now let's go over some nonverbal cues, active listening, and Chinese cultural awareness. Active listening is super important. It's also a way to nonverbally show your student that you are listening and you care about them. So think about your posture, position, and expressions and how they might be interpreted by your students. So here are some nonverbal cues you can try out with me in the workshop if you're on camera. Number one, not affirmatively. If I make a good point, you can nod. Thank you very much, Lynn, Gubir, Rhonda, and Alicia. You can do some smiling and thumbs up, right? That was a great point. I love that. Giving eye contact is a good one. So in my classroom, I always try to look at the webcam as much as I can. So it looks like I'm looking directly at the student. If I'm looking down or off to the side, maybe that's a disconnect that's happening in the classroom, right? So just try to make that eye contact. Another one that's great is leaning in towards the camera. If you're ever doing this with your hands cupping your ear, lean in. Look towards the camera. It's a great way to fill that space. And that just creates a lot more warmth in the classroom. So even without talking, nodding, smiling, thumbs up, giving eye contact, leaning in, great way to build that connection with your student. I also do this when I meet a student. We do like that handshake. We can pretend to shake hands. That could be quite fun. So practice throughout the workshop today. So let's talk about pointing. In China, Pointing is different. We have a mentor, Michelle T. She used to lead a lot of great workshops on Chinese cultural awareness. Let's see what she's saying here about pointing. In the Chinese culture, we always use the palm up method to point at someone else because there's a saying, if you want to um, scold somebody or accuse someone of doing something wrong, you point at their noses. So which metaphorically, right? So it's it's like this, right? You, you, you did this, right? So you point at their noses. And this is um, like to little kids, you're never, ever, ever supposed to use your fingers to point at someone else, right? Mom would, mom would have broken my finger if I had done that when I was little. <laughs> and so I, when someone points at me, um, using the finger is still like gives me a shock, like, <gasps> <sighs> okay, don't point at me. Um, so you know, my so I don't know if you guys know Lingo Bus, right? Do you know Lingo Bus? If you don't know, you've been under a rock. You need to come out from under your rock. Lingo Bus is like VIP kid in Chinese, where our kids take Chinese classes. All the teachers there will use the palm up and the, to point at 
you know, our students, your turn. Right. So there's more. Um, uh, this is the way they do. It. It's a polite method. Now you must be like, but in da 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 da, you say ra ra ra. Um, we have to teach point and all that stuff. You can point at yourself, right? You can point at Meg. You can point at Mike. You can point at Dino. You can even point at your own noses. But when it comes to someone else, you always use the hand. It's called referring. We don't point at someone. We refer to somebody. Right? We refer to somebody, and so when it comes to at, you know showing this someone else it's your turn, refer to you. Then it's a palm up method. Okay, so teachers, how do they point in China? You can show me if you're on camera. Excellent, right? So you're pointing like this or referring to someone. That's how Michelle talked about it. So one of the things is I know they teach pointing in some lessons for level one. But if you ask the student to point at you, at point at the teacher, they could feel really uncomfortable because they learn that pointing is quite rude, or you only do that when you're upset. So one of the ways that you can work around that is have them point at an object instead, or Meg, Mike, or Dino. That's a great way. Or they can point at themselves. But get in the habit of doing this when you're referring to someone, or you want them to speak. Right? It's your turn. Right? Just really polite. So one of the things, as I used to tell my students, point at me, right? And they would just get a little bit flustered and uncomfortable. Now, if you do point at a student, don't worry too much. Especially with older students, they understand that, you know, in different countries we do, we do things differently. But just get in the habit and be more aware of pointing like this. Right? Just nice to know. Another one of the things I want to go over in the workshop is counting with one hand. So in China, they count with just one hand using their fingers. And the reason why I want to go over this is sometimes you'll get into a situation where a student will do this, right? How old are you? This is not hang ten. This is number six. Now that I know what this means, I can help them verbally say it. I am six. So let's go over counting. Together. 一、二、三、四、五、六、七、八、九、十。So this is a great way to count with your students. You don't have to teach them how to count this way; they already know. But let's say that you have a non-verbal student and they do this. Right. It's not a gun. It's number seven. So you know automatically what this means. That can really help. If you want a quick way to build a bridge with your student, ask them to teach you how to count one through ten. Even if you already know, you can pretend that you don't. It's a great way for them to teach you something. You're giggling, you're laughing, and you're having lots of fun in the classroom. So I do this a lot with my trial class students. Right? We go over numbers six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and that can be a great way. To build that bridge.、Right. One more thing about number ten. Sometimes, depending on China where they live, number ten can be crossing fingers. It can be the fist, or it can be this, an X.、Right. So those all mean ten. So X, fist, or this.、Right. But I find that most of my students they just do the fist like that.、Right. So just good stuff. Now keeping them motivated. Other nonverbal cues are using noisemakers. That's a great technique. I love to use a bell. Whenever they do something right, get their attention. I can ring my bell. Number two is using a harmonica. This is a great technique. This can be good for high tones, low tones, 
or when we're about to sing a song in class. And my number one trick is use a sound effects app on your phone. If you have an iPhone, the one that I use is called Big Button Box. It's free. You can find that. But you can use any sound effects app. It doesn't have to be this. But what I do, especially if they're loud or not paying attention, shh, Bill, what do you hear? What do you hear? It is a monkey. So what happens, this can be a fun reward. Also, they'll be quiet, they'll listen in, and they'll pay attention. This can be really great for trial class students, especially. Right, so find a sound effects app, so many good sound effects. What is it? It's a frog. Could everybody hear that? Yeah. So what I do is I just play it on my phone, bring it close to my microphone, and then they can hear that, right? So many good fun sound effects. So this one is called Big Button Box. I'll just type that in. But there are so many that you can use. Right? So great sound effects in class. Now moving on to appropriate language, let's talk about teacher and student output as well as English mastery. Now adapt for your student. That's really key to success with VIP Kid. We talked about when things don't go according to plan, you're always adapting keeping your cool. Other things are adjust your speaking speed to the student's abilities and enunciate and speak clearly. Let's say that the student is having trouble with the TH sound. What's a technique that we can do to help them with that? Yeah, Lynn Hosney, I see Andrew Beer, right? Going close to the camera, that's a good technique. I also like to do tongue twisters, right? Let's say for TH Thirsty Thursday. Something like that. You can practice that in class. That could really help your student. I do that as a reward system for some of my students. You can simplify praises, directions, and vocabulary to their level and avoid incidental language. Filler talk, which we'll talk about later. What is the student-teacher ratio for levels one through three? If you know, you can type that out. Yeah, one-to-one, -one. that's a good way to think about it. 50-50, right? So student and teacher talk ratio is the same. For levels four and above, what is the ratio? We have a very smart group today, 70-30. If your student is already talking more than you are, you are perfect. Now in both of these situations, is the teacher talking more than the student? So just keep that in mind. What are some ways I can reduce my teacher talk and increase the student output in class? Nonverbal cues are an excellent way to do that. Right? So drag and drop, you can see what she's doing. She's using TPR here. That can really help a student understand. I love to use props in class. So if you want them to circle or draw a line, show them quite simply using a whiteboard. Right? Circle, circle big A, for example. Now let's go back to our friend with modeling. Pay attention to how many times she's saying this word. Shows, shows. Good. Think about ping pong. How many balls are going back and forth? Just one, not two, just one. 
This is called ping pong repetition. So what happens if I say it this way? Shows, shows. Oh, teacher, he shows, shows us a book. What might your student say? Yeah. And you're thinking, why do they say this twice in a sentence? Because that's what we've modeled for the student. So say this in isolation. Think about ping pong, one ball going back and forth. Shows. Shows. Nice work. So that's a way that you can isolate the sound or the phrase or sentence, right? Shows. And then do that twice. If you're saying it two or three times, they will repeat that. So ping pong repetition. That's a big one for a VIP kid. I used to say a lot of words repeatedly, fox, fox, fox. And what did the student say? Fox, fox, fox. Right? I didn't even realize it was a thing. So let's look at another example of error correction for reading. And let's read this. I'm in the ship of the sea, and I make one complex turn every day. That's turning gives you daytime to go to school and play outside and night time for your sleep. I also orbit the sun. This trip around the sun takes 365 days or one year to complete. So this word complete. A complete. So how long does it take for the Earth to complete an orbit around the sun? 365. So it takes? Uh, it takes one year. To? To complete. It takes one year to complete. Nice work, Jessica. I really wanted her to say that sentence in full, right? Close. So what did I do here to help her with the pronunciation of the word complete? Yeah, broke it into syllables so she could really understand. Excellent. I really tried to ask her multiple questions so she could use that word multiple times in a sentence. Did I stop her right away when she made a mistake? Why didn't I not stop her? Right? No, that's wrong. Say it this way. Great question, Gerbeer. So I don't want to interrupt her flow or that fluency with reading. So one of the things that I started doing is I used to underline and circle things a lot, every mistake that they would make. Now let's imagine that you're a student that's really struggling with reading. If you see me do this as you read, how would that make you feel? Like, oh, I'm doing a wonderful job. You get self-conscious. Imagine if while I was doing this workshop, you made a note of every mistake that I made. I will get really self-conscious. So something that I did is I don't do that anymore, but I will take a mental note or isolate one of those big words that they're really having trouble with. That's what I did with the word complete. So I don't stifle their confidence and I don't interrupt their fluency. So what I do recommend, you can make notes in the chat box and then press enter afterwards and then go over the words or go over them on the whiteboard. She's a great student. So English mastery is also important 
since we're teaching English. Use correct grammar, proper pronunciation, and synthetic phonics. Even when I'm typing to the student a complete sentence, I also use punctuation, capitalization, so they can see. Avoid oversimplifying your sentences. I see brown cat. I see a brown cat. And self-correct any grammar or pronunciation mistakes that you might make. Right? I'm not perfect. I can self-correct, and they can hear me do that. Right? Lynn H., you have a great tip. Sometimes underline the word endings before they read it. If they are a student who frequently drops word endings, that's great. I like that. If you really know your student well, I have students that really struggle with the bossy E you know, cute at the very end. So I can circle some of those endings before and go over it since I already know that they struggle with that. I find that a lot of students struggle with short I, long I, adding that E at the end of words. One more with our friend, phonics. Let's watch. Ha sound. Ha ha ha. Good. Ha. Im. Him. Good. Him. Mm hmm. Good job. Hmm. What sound does this letter right here make? Hmm. Good try. Ruh, 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 ruh. Ruh, im, rim. Ha, im, him. Ruh, im, rim. Was that perfect? I did have a teacher say, this was a great example. Right. So remember, these are not the correct phonics sounds for H and R. A lot of times students will add a to the end of a sound like ma. Remember that we want to correct this. M, him. Er, M, rim. So I do like her TPR here. That's a great way to show blending. You can do that with your hands or fists, but make sure that you're not adding that a. So, er. Another thing is you can have them put their palm in front of their mouth or use a tissue paper in front, especially for the P sound. So they can feel that puff of air or they can see the tissue moving because of the air sound right? instead of puh or ra. Right? I'm glad you picked up on that. So quick review for our first half. Calm, assertive, neutral teacher voice is great. You really want to model that self-regulation. Also, proper teacher and student output. We talked about 50-50 and 70-30. Simplified directions, use nonverbal cues. Also, lean in, nod affirmatively, thumbs up. Adjust, enunciate, and speak clearly. Tongue twisters are great for students that are having trouble. And model correct English. Phonic sounds, anything that you're typing, etc. So let's go on to filler language. Let's watch a quick video. So you're like talking to your friends or coworkers and you notice this strange pattern. This happened like five minutes ago. We've been friends for like, like 11 years. And then I was like, hello. And I was like, please, can I have my ticket? I'm always weird about like, well, like they wanted to watch it together. And I was like, well, I don't want to sit there with them. Like it or hate it, you can actually hear the word like everywhere from celebrities. But like, if they ask about your lips, like own up to it. To movies. But people came that like did not RSVP. So I was like totally bugging. And yes, our own mouths. I say like all the time. And most of the time? No, 
I do not notice that I'm saying like. Unless it's like, oh, now I do. I thought that was a cute video. So why is it not ideal to use filler language excessively in an ESL class? Like is a big one, right? Uh, um, won't help with their exams, that's a big one. Confuses the meaning for sure. Now I know in our daily life, we use like a lot. I do too when I talk with my friends or family, but turn on that teacher voice when you're teaching for a VIP kid, right? Try to limit the amount of filler language that you're using. Not only does it increase your teacher talk time in class, but it just also adds that verbal noise that's not necessary in the lesson. So like, um, uh, oh, okay, right? Silence is golden. So here are some four tips to success with Alex Line. Yeah, we are teaching more academic English, right? That's true. So you can teach them some slang words or casual talk, but just so they know, you can always differentiate that from more academic English. One of the things is as they get older in China, I've had students move from elementary school to middle school with an international school, so they have to take a speaking test. So during that speaking test, if they're using a lot of filler language or like, uh, um, that can really cut down on the score they get for that speaking part of the exam. So that's a big thing. They have certain exams to get into middle school and high school, right? So that can really affect their future. So it can be cutthroat in China. So four tips to success. Alex, Alex Line is a great communication coach. Let's listen to his four tips on how to reduce that filler language. The first tip is a mindset tip, and that is you have to get comfortable with silence. A lot of the times we fill in the silence, what could be pauses with ums and uhs and you knows, because we feel like, oh, if we're silent, it sounds like we lost our place or we don't know what we're talking about. But I think really the opposite is true. I think those little beats of silence, those pauses, help listeners consider our last idea, let it sink in, and then they're ready for the next one. When you don't have any pauses and it's all one long sound, you never give that moment for people to reflect and accept your message. So get comfortable with pauses. Step number two, you have to develop a new habit to replace the old one. A lot of times we don't even realize we're saying um and ah uh, unless someone brings it to our attention. So one of the ways you can realize you're doing it is by practicing in private a little bit louder than you normally would. And when you practice louder, your ums and your uhs come out a little louder and you can hear them. And once you're aware of them, you can get rid of them. Step number three, instead of saying an um or uh or whatever your favorite filler is, replace it with the word period or pause. And I literally want you to practice this out loud. That's what I recommend. So today we're gonna to change the brakes on our car, period. When you say it out loud, it really starts to emphasize the idea that, yeah, I should be ending my sentence there and giving a nice pause. And then after you practice a few times out loud like that, all the way through a presentation, then begin just to say the word period or pause in your head. And it sounds like this. Today we're gonna to learn how to change the brakes in your car. And it sounds very confident, very composed, like you meant it to be there and gives your idea a chance to sink into your listeners' minds. And then the fourth tip is to breathe. Again, instead of saying an um or uh, whatever your filler is, if you take a nice breath, it gives a nice pause to your listeners' ears, but it also helps you relax and helps you come across as much more composed. So, so I like his tips here. It's a good full circle moment with Amy and now with Alex. Take a breath. 
So think about a newscaster. They're not using filler language because everything that they're saying is really important. Same thing with teaching. Really notice how much you're talking and if you're using excessive filler language. I do like the take a breath. One of the things you can do if you want to negotiate or if you have a son or daughter that's fibbing, my niece, sometimes I know when she's fibbing, so I will just stay silent. It's extremely awkward for her, so she will just keep talking to fill in the silence, and eventually she will fess up. So that's a technique you can do, right? So the right word may be effective, but no word was ever as effective as a rightly timed pause. Thank you, Mark Twain. So the power of the pause is the last concept I want to hit on today. Silence speaks volumes in class. Don't be this teacher. Won the Battle of Kings Mountain and the Battle of Cowpen, South Carolina, forcing Cornwallis to march north to Virginia, only to be met by the Patriots in North Carolina, where he suffered heavy losses in Virginia, Yorktown, Virginia, leading to Washington State attack in New York City, followed by a swift move south to block Cornwallis' escape by land, forcing Cornwallis to surrender to Yorktown on October 1917. Any questions? Good luck. See you Thursday. Does anyone know this show? It's an oldie. One of my favorites. Stay by the bell. Yes, one of my favorite shows. So don't rush the student. Give them some time to think. That's a big one. What can you do at a lake or pond? Right, give them that response time. You're not saying things like, okay, well, like, um, okay, so what can you do at a lake or pond? Uh, what can you do? Mm, mm, mm. Right, so you're using that filler language. Just pause, keep it silent. What does he do at the lake? What can you see at the lake? What does he do at the lake? So those are ways that you can really pause and have them reflect on their answer. This also eliminates filler language and class, the power of the pause. Any questions about this concept? I wonder if that's trademarked, the power of the pause. I have seen it a couple times online though. You'll notice with great speakers, Steve Jobs, was really good at this. He would pause, the audience anticipates his message, right? He would do that for product reveals, and they would really listen in like this because they really want to hear what he has to say. Right? The power of the pause, I should change it to that. Right? 